I think the biggest thing, and I still struggle with this to this day, is just be in the present moment. I think in, enjoy what you're doing um, and, and just be present and, and try to focus and enjoy on what you're doing right now, whether it's a practice that you're at, whether it's a game, whether you're eating dinner with your family, whatever it may be. I, I think we as, as humans are very, very good at, at you know, being anxious about things that are not in our control and in, yeah. in the future. And uh, again, it's still something I think a lot of us struggle with even as, as adults. Hi everyone, it's Brad Burton here, author and creator of the Revolution Hockey Series and host of the Revolution Hockey Series Perspective Hockey Talk. Welcome to episode number nine. Today we carry on with part two of my conversation with Topher Scott. With this episode, we get into Topher's hockey background and his progression through his playing career and transition into coaching. His hometown of Buffalo Grove, Illinois is where it all began and he eventually began playing AAA locally. He then made the jump to junior hockey where he would play close to home for the Chicago Steel of the USHL. After four seasons in junior, he made the leap to Cornell University where he would spend his next four years with the Big Red in Ithaca, New York. Upon finishing his school, he closed off the season in the ECHL with Elmira and then followed that up with two years in the Central Hockey League playing with Texas and Rio Grande Valley. In 2010, he was given a great opportunity to advance his education while taking on an assistant coach role with the University of Miami, Ohio, and then he followed that year up by going back to Cornell where he would spend five seasons with the university as an assistant coach. Today, Topher is currently the director of hockey and head coach of the U18 team for the Syracuse Nationals AAA hockey program. He is also the founder of the Hockey Think Tank, which is a great resource for learning different aspects of hockey through the content he provides. So, without further delay, we will dive right into the conversation here with Topher Scott. You, you play AAA hockey and then you uh, start to look at junior hockey teams and you, get, you spend uh, four years in the USHL with the Chicago Steel. How did you uh, formulate like your relationship uh, with uh, going to them in the first place? It's a crazy story, actually. So like I was a band major, so I was 15 and uh, I just got off our, our hockey team. We actually won the national championship that year. We just had an incredible year. I think we had, it was like 13 players on our team that either played division one, division three, or major junior hockey from our team. And uh, so it was just a special year. And then after that year, we were getting ready to play midgets and, and uh, the steel had relocated to Chicago. They were in Fargo, North Dakota before and so we didn't even know really what the ushl or, or junior hockey was it was much different back in the day i feel like kids younger and younger know what junior hockey is now yeah. um so we just kind of like went to the tryout just for the hell of it um just to to get on the ice and for the experience just to kind of see what it was and there's about four or five of us it was just an open tryout and there were four or five of us that played really well in it so they invited us back to like their main tryout and just so happened to have a really good main tryout and they invited me yeah. to be a part of the team at, at 15, you know, looking back at it now, um, 
terrible decision to play junior hockey at, at 15 years old. And it was easily the hardest year of hockey I've ever had in my entire life. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, you learn from it and, and you, you build a little bit more thick skin and, and you build a little bit more of that resiliency muscle. So yeah, I ended up playing four years in the USHL. My third year, I tore my ACL in, in the first game of the year. So missed, you know, pr- pretty much that entire year as well. So it's, uh, it's junior hockey is not easy. It's, uh, it's tough. It's, it's a grind. And, and we talk about it all the time. I think the biggest jump or the hardest jump to make is from midget hockey to junior hockey. I think the jump from there is way harder than the jump from junior hockey to college hockey or junior hockey to pro or college hockey to pro. There's just, you're playing against young men as a, as a kid that the lifestyle is so much different. It's just uh, it's, it's an absolute punch in the face that you got to learn how to learn how to figure out pretty quickly. And so uh, yeah, it's just a kind of a crazy story of how I got involved in it. And uh, but here we are. <laughs> I know I, like when you talk about that and uh, like the maturity level, um, I remember being at the Elmira Sugar Kings camp in, in my underage season and did well at rookie camp, uh, progressed through to main camp. And then my first uh, time being in just in the locker room, <laughs> I'm lo- looking around and uh, uh I forget what his name was, uh, walks by and he was like the top guy on the team. And I just look at him, I'm like this five, nine hundred and maybe 60 pound guy, not much bigger than I was, I am now because I'm actually probably smaller, but, uh, look at him like, Oh my God, like how am I supposed to survive against a player like that? So, uh, I mean, yeah to go into junior hockey when you're used to playing against uh, your own age group, that's quite, quite the jump. Uh, So I I agree with you there. And probably the only other equivalent would be from going and playing as an 18 year old in the, in the NHL and just where you are physically uh, playing against men at that point. So uh, you go uh, talk about your ACL injury. Um, were you were you already in in the process of uh, dealing with uh, NCAA teams and like uh, trying to go through the recruitment process and find a commitment at this point? Yeah, at that point. So I was 17 when that happened. It was my uh, grade 12 year in high school, and uh, I had been playing really well, and and I think I led the the preseason tournament in in scoring, and so it was one of those things where I had a ton of schools, all these schools I ever dreamed of going to, reaching out, and all that kind of stuff, and it was really cool. And then the next weekend, I literally tore my ACL and was done for the year. And so one school out of all those schools actually kept in touch with me, <laughs> which was, which is a real gut punch. And there was no way yeah. I was going to that school. I didn't, I actually ended up visiting and hated it. But um, so, yeah, it was just one of those things where I, I, I end up saying it now. I, I think it was one of the best things that ever happened to me as, as hard as it was at the time, because it really, it really, you know, forced me to fight adversity and have to have a positive attitude from a yeah. young age. And and I think those are things that helped me throughout my career and it ended up working out okay, which 
thankfully, and I had great support system. So I didn't have parents and friends that allowed me to, to feel sorry for myself and mope. I had people around me that were positive and say, Hey, we're going to get through this and it's going to be a good thing. Don't worry about it. Like just focus on your upper body and your mental game, even though you can't skate and things. So it was, I had very good support system, which I think goes a long way too. Yeah. Um, and then coming back from that injury in the 03-04 season, uh, obviously I just uh, pulled up your stats here and that was a big year for you. Um, so your, your last year of junior hockey there uh, and you're going through the process, you win which, I mean, is a prestigious award and the most gentleman of the year award, I think, which is always an testament to uh, probably two parts, uh, strong character and leadership qualities. Uh, you uh, get your commitment to Cornell. Can you just walk me through that process with uh, everything with them? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think um, so that that – that year I committed to Cornell in the summer going into my final year. Um, you know, I, I had taken a couple visits that summer. I was actually, I love the university of Vermont. I took a visit out there. Marty St. Louis went there, you know, I'm five foot four. So he was a hero of mine at the time. And, and so I loved it and, and was like really ready to kind of go to Vermont. And then their head coach actually stepped down uh, right after my visit. So they didn't have a coach. I was like, well, I can't really commit here now. I don't know who the coach is going to be. And then in that time that they were figuring out who their next head coach was going to be, I ended up going on a visit to Cornell and falling in love with that. They're, they're actually very similar in terms of both in small towns, both college yeah. towns, right on a lake, uh, great tradition, great coaching, everything like that. So, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, Cornell for me, I, I, a couple of things that were really important to me through the process. I wanted to go to a school that had good academics. I wanted to go to a school that won and had really good hockey and hockey was important there. And that for Cornell was, was that they sell out every single one of their games. Um, the year before I went there, they went to the frozen four. So they had a, a history of winning. Um, just everything about it was, was fantastic. So I ended up committing to go there and, and uh, very happy that I did. And I had a great experience there. In your first year in Cornell, uh, I swear I'll tie in a little bit of the, the, the Western on uh, Southwestern Ontario flavor here. You have <laughs> the Abbott brothers, Cam and Chris, on the team. Uh, I believe they're probably towards maybe the end of their uh, NCAA career that year. Uh, that 0405 team, your ECAC champions. Uh, you just want to talk about those two guys and uh, maybe that team as as a whole. Yeah. So first of all, Cam and Chris Abbott, I actually spoke to them just a couple of weeks ago. So they're out in Sweden right now. Yeah. Um, they're one, one is the, uh, Chris is the GM of, of, uh, an elite league team oh. and, and Cam is, yeah. And Cam is the, uh, the head coach, which is absolutely hilarious. If you knew them, it, it's totally fitting for sure. Um, I'll tell you what, Cam and Chris were not the most talented players on our team. They were very talented, great players. But Cam and Chris, we would not have won a championship that year if it wasn't for those two guys. I think you talk about competitiveness. I mean, insane. Like the highest compete levels I've ever played with in, in my life. And just they, they, they love the team. They love the guys. And, and uh, I think when they graduated, it was a real big hit to our program. They were juniors when I came in as a freshman. And when they when they graduate, they were, it was a huge hole that we failed to fill. 
um, from, from our side of things as players and, and in recruiting and stuff. I just, um, they, they were a huge piece to it. And, and I, I still remember my first time on the ice at Cornell, um, there was, it's just, you know, a, a nothing skate, just kind of like a scrimmage shinny hockey game without coaches out there. And the puck gets kind of chipped into a corner and there's Cam and Chris Abbott and like three other guys just absolutely competing. Like it's their life if they lost that battle. And, and that's why we were so good. I mean, we were certainly talented. We had guys like Matt Molson on the team and Ryan O'Byrne and, and uh, you know, guys that went on to play in the NHL and stuff, but our team isn't what our team was without those two. And uh just goes to show you how important everybody can be to a team and, and just such great leaders, such great guys. And, and uh, I have nothing but great things to say about them. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, they're definitely on the, uh, the dream, dream list of guys to talk to. Uh, just obviously their progression into their pro careers in Sweden. And now with their positions, uh, like you were talking about, it's just, uh, it's, really such an interesting thing when when you venture from the playing career into all the the different avenues you can get into with hockey uh so for you personally i mean you you have a great four-year career at cornell uh you're named alternate captain and then captain in in your senior year you want to just talk about maybe how honored you were to be recognized as as the leader um, sure. I, I think the special part of it is that um, the coaches don't name the captains, the, the teammates vote for it. So I think that that goes a long way when you know you have that respect from your peers. So um, you just you try to go to the rink every day and, and you try and do the best that you can. And, and hopefully people if you're if you're doing that stuff, and you're a good person, you treat people right, then people can can learn to follow and, and we had, like, for me, we had unbelievable leadership when I came in as a freshman. So I had awesome mentors and, and we, as our class, as younger guys had awesome mentors to learn from. And uh, we had a lot of Ontario guys, Mike Eagleton, he went on to play in the NHL. Mike Knopfley had a long pro career, Matt Molson, uh, Dan Pegarero. I mean, we had Johnny Gleed, a lot of, a lot of awesome Ontario guys on our team. Um, and they were just, they were just great guys. Like we had such an awesome culture and, and, and it was such, such a fun place to be a, be a part of. And so, you know, with that, we just kind of tried to follow those guys and learn from them as we were coming up as, as freshmen and sophomores, and then try to continue the the legacy that they had kind of left for us as, as we became older. And um, I think as a leader, sometimes it's, it's difficult to find your way in terms of what type of leader you want to be. I think I failed a little bit as a leader at times because I tried to be a hard ass at times and that's not really who I am. That's not my personality. Um, so learn leadership and learning is, is a learning process. And, and, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, I was honored to be, to be named that, um, to carry on kind of the legacy that the guys had before. And especially when it comes to your teammates, it, it's, uh, it means all that, that much more. Yeah. Um, and that, in that 07, 08 year, you're, uh, named low senior class, all American, uh, named to the second team, the all American second team. Uh, and I mean, you actually start playing pro hockey and then, and, following your uh university career that season as well with Elmira um you want to just uh maybe explain your uh transition from playing 
college hockey, which, I mean, the dynamics of it where you just touched on with the family aspects of college hockey um, and how tight of a, a unit you guys truly would be. Um, and then going into the pro ranks where it, it's very uh, uh, all about yourself almost in a sense. <laughs> Yeah, it's very different. It was very different for sure. And and as much as people tell you it's different until you experience it, yeah, you definitely. And 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 the thing about pro hockey is there's so many different personalities that and there's so many different um motivations for playing pro hockey. Um you have some kids that need some not kids anymore. You have some guys that need to feed their families. Uh you have some guys that are just along for the ride cuz they don't have an education and they just it's what they do. They're just hockey players, so they're just kind of there. You have other guys that really have a dream to to get to the next level so there's so many different perspectives on on where people want to go and why that they're there like i had some awesome teammates in pro hockey um just unbelievable guys that would give the shirt off their back for you and then there's other guys that just want to do what's right for themselves like my my first year i literally had a guy uh that would not pass me the puck because i was a smaller guy didn't didn't want me to take his spot in the lineup and come in and he literally would look me off if I was wide open, because if I got points, <laughs> you know, then that was going to hurt his chances of getting playing time and getting up to the next level. Um, so it's just, it's, it's just a different game. It's a different lifestyle. It's, it's, uh, um, it was a little bit difficult for me having such a great experience in, uh, in, in college, going to a little bit more of the individualized culture of what pro hockey can be if you're not in the right situation. Um, but at the end of the day, getting a paycheck to play hockey is, is, is awesome. And, yeah. uh, would not have traded that for anything for sure. And I enjoyed my time. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, that, the tail end of that 07, 08 season with Elmira, and then you, you follow that up with two years, uh, with Rio Grande Valley and, and Texas. So this is, this is just pro hockey in a nutshell, right? So I, uh, I end my Cornell season as a senior, had a great career, um, really, you know, just very happy with how it went. And then I ended up signing in the East Coast League with Elmira and played 10 games in the playoffs with them after, uh, you know, after my college season was over, signed with Elmira again for that next year and yeah. got cut in training camp. So I didn't even make it out. And uh, so then I needed a place to play. And yeah. so I ended up going down to Texas with the Brahmas and played two months there and got traded to Rio Grande Valley. So here okay. I am having this career, like, you know, what that hundred points and capital, like it was just awesome. And go into, go into an East coast league training camp and get cut <laughs> and then yeah. going down to the central hockey league and getting traded. I mean, that's just, yeah. wow. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, so it was, it was a great trade by, by them because they traded me and, and ended up getting somebody that had helped them win a championship. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, I, they, we actually played them in the playoffs that year and they beat us, but, um, so unfortunately, no, didn't didn't win a championship. A little bit of a little bit of a tough first year pro in terms of figuring it out, but ended up in a good spot in Rio Grande Valley and had a lot of fun there. A lot of great guys, so ended up being okay. At the end of the 2010 year, two full seasons of pro hockey. I think uh, I believe you're getting married in the summer or following that. So uh, you decide that you know what, I'm not going to play pro hockey any longer. It was um, and with what you said about certain players not having the education aspects to fall back on, was this an easier uh, decision for you to switch from player into what you would 
go into next year with Miami, Ohio as an assistant coach or, or how is that a whole ordeal for you? No, it was hell. I wasn't ready to be done playing. I, I, I loved playing hockey. As you know, it's your identity. You know, that's all you think of yourself as, as a hockey player. And, and uh, so just kind of a crazy story. I uh, just kept in touch with one of my assistant coaches at Cornell. Who's a really big mentor of mine. His name's Brent Breck. He's actually the head coach at St. Lawrence right now. And uh, at the time that I was playing in, in Rio Grande, he had moved on to be an associate head coach at Miami of Ohio. A lot of Ontario guys that played in, in Miami as well. A lot of really good ones, Ryan Jones and, and Riley Smith in Vegas and a lot of pretty good pipeline coming down that way. Um, but uh, just keeping in touch with him, I knew I wanted to get into coaching at some point. And so just in, in a casual conversation I was having with Brex, I was like, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about getting into coaching at some point. Is there anything I need to do? Like, should I start reaching out to people? Um, I was fully intending on coming back and, and playing another year. And, and Brex just was kind of like, well, we have this graduate assistantship open here um, and you can get your master's paid for and you can be a part of our coaching staff. And if, if you want it, basically it's, it's yours. And so I was like, Oh boy. <laughs> and uh, so it was a tough couple days talking with my future wife um, just trying to figure out because again, I wasn't done playing. I, I wanted to play, but that was kind of an opportunity that if I wanted to get into coaching, it was really tough to pass up. So a couple yeah. sleepless nights for sure, trying to figure out what the next step was and uh, ended up making the decision to, to stop playing and, and to go grab and, and seize that opportunity at Miami. So it was, uh, even though had the education to fall back on, um, was not easy to give it up. That's for sure. And there's still days where I'm kind of like, man, I can't believe I stopped playing at that point, as I'm sure all of us at in our 30s or 40s or 50s still still talk about today. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I I mean, that season was, uh, I believe that was my first, uh, like I had helped with minor hockey back home um, with the younger ages. But I mean, you can you can do that earlier on the weekends or in the evenings and it didn't have any interference with continuing on playing junior hockey or into my senior hockey career as well. So uh, in 2010-11, I actually helped in Sarnia with the major Bantam team here in town. Um, and it, it really did cause such an interference, but it was something that I, I uh, thoroughly enjoyed and it was such a great experience. I was actually able to parlay that into being a head coach in junior hockey, which was not a great experience, but uh, can you, for me, being behind the bench and being a player, uh, was totally opposite like I had so many nerves being a coach and maybe that's just because you want to be so prepared and you're you you have zero control about what's going on with the play on the ice other than putting those players onto the ice is that a similar emotion that you would have or uh is there much difference for you as uh, a player versus a coach um, I think coaching is way harder than playing. <laughs> I really do. It's um, as a coach, what a, a lot of coaches that get in this high level coaching, coaching, a lot of coaches that care at the youth levels, it's hard because you're, you're invested. 
like you're very invested in these kids, but you also don't have as much control as to what goes on on the ice. As a player, you have much more control because you're out there in the heat of the battle and everything. And one of the things that I think a lot of really high level coaches and guys that care and, and women that that care what they struggle with is that you can overwork yourself as a coach because there's always something you can do. There's always a conversation you can have with the player. There's always video that you can watch. There's it's constant when you get to college, you can always be recruiting. Um, so in, in terms of that, you have to learn how to balance your life a little bit and, and, you know, and enjoy life rather than just being so focused on the job. And, and I think a lot of coaches struggle with that because you are, you're so passionate about the game. And that's where as a player, I think it's a little bit easier maybe to turn it on and off, you know, because yeah. your work, if that's what you want to call it is when you're at the rink um, as opposed to coaches that it's easy to take your work home with you because you got yeah. a phone and, or you got a, a laptop and you can be doing that stuff. So um, I, I think coaching, it, it can be stressful for sure. Um, if you care, if you care, it, it probably is stressful for a lot of people that are listening or going through it. But at the end of the day, the, the ability to have an effect on young kids and, and help them develop is, uh, is pretty cool. That's for sure. Yeah, I know. And uh, early on in, in that uh, assistant coach role with the major banners, and you're dealing with their well, they would have been 14 or so in that age great age group <laughs> and I mean they get opinionated at that age and I remember our head coach would come in say something and then I'd follow it up and like Glenn would say and didn't take long for the kids to start ribbing me over that so I was like taking that home with me I'm like I, I gotta step up my uh, preparation <laughs> for these speeches so uh, <laughs> I had some pretty good speeches over that year and, and the team was very successful, which obviously goes on to help make the experience that much more enjoyable. Uh, that Miami University team, you talked about certain players. I think you had two Hobie Baker finalists on that team. So obviously you're dealing with a lot of great players. Uh, the following what would be five seasons, you transition back to Cornell University and start your assistant coaching job with them and get into the recruiting process I, th I believe quite a bit more uh how how are these five years for you the the years at Cornell were awesome I think I, I don't want to sugar like my year at Miami was unreal too I had such a great experience I was so fortunate to work with great people and uh, as a graduate assistant like they treated me as another coach and it was a trial by fire kind of thing. It wasn't like, okay, sit here and learn from us. I was given a lot of responsibility to, to work with the players and doing video pre-scout and all that kind of stuff. And it really helped for my learning process, getting into uh, you know, a full-time position at Cornell the following year. Um, I, I think I, 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 there's so many things you love about the job. I mean, the recruiting side of it was, was unreal. You get to meet so many great people. You get to travel around to so many places. And, and uh, like one of the best parts about my job as a college coach was I know how awesome my experience was at Cornell and the fact that I was able to, to offer and, and provide kids with a similar experience that I had. I, I think that's just really special and not just for, for the kids, but for the families too, because my family enjoyed the four years that I was there. And, and that was, that was really fun. Um, it is, it, again, it's a huge learning process though. 
Um, coming in as a recruiter, haven't recruited before. There's so much to learn in how to evaluate players, how to build connections, build relationships, how to land kids and make sure that they want to come to your school. So you make a lot of mistakes. You make a lot of mistakes as a coach too, with your players and, and how you're, how you're building your relationships with your players and, and yeah. things like that as well. So it's, uh, it's definitely a, a, a tough job. There's a lot that goes into it, but it's very rewarding. And, and again, when you get to go to the rink every day for work, you wouldn't even really call it work. That's, that's yeah. something that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And at the end of your tenure with Cornell, you're looking at starting the family. So you wanted to take a step back because obviously with what you're doing, there's tons of travel. Um, your transition into AAA hockey, uh, can you just touch on that and uh, maybe your experience now over those uh, years coming into this upcoming season? Sure. Yeah. No, I, um, when I, when I left coaching at Cornell, the tough part was I didn't have a plan B. I just, I just kind of decided to leave and I wasn't sure what the next step was going to be. And, and for anybody that's leaving the game, whether you're a player or a coach, I, I think the advice that I give to guys and, and women that are getting out of it is, is like, think about it before you do it and, and try to set yourself up where you have something because it was, it was tough when I left and not having, you go from going a hundred miles an hour, like literally a hundred miles an hour. There's not an off switch when you're a college assistant yeah. coach to having nothing to do. <laughs> and that was <laughs> like, that in itself was really, really, you would think that that would be like freeing and that would be great to have that kind of freedom. But it's, yeah, it's, it was the opposite crazy. for me. Yeah, it was, that was going, going nuts. And then starting the hockey think tank and getting into youth hockey, you know, it, it provided a little bit of that void that I was missing. I still missed coaching in college for sure. Um, just the, the grind of it and, and the camaraderie and being a part of a team like that, that that's something that was really, really great. Um, but the transition into getting into triple A hockey was really hard too, because there's, you know, you hear about the craziness a little bit and you see it a little bit in, in the college recruiting process. But then when you get into the thick of it, you know, you, you truly understand how insane it, it can be and, and how much just how much stress, how stressed everybody is about everything that's going on. And, and uh, so, you know, you do what you can to try and do the best job that you can. And, and I've learned a ton and have made a lot of mistakes and have tried to do the right thing and sometimes maybe haven't done the right thing. But at the end of the day, it's uh, hopefully you can affect some of these kids and, and develop them to, to help them achieve their dreams and have them and their families really enjoy the process while they're going through it. Yeah, that's awesome. I, and I, I like to uh, always close out with uh, just kind of the advice. And I mean, you could listen to you over the course of the time here, but if you had to give some advice to the younger generation or a young Topher Scott, uh, what, uh, what type of things would you want to share that you learned along the way or that you wish you, you had uh, learned? or new at a younger age? Sure. I think the biggest thing, and I still struggle with this to this day, is just be in the present moment. I think in, enjoy what you're doing um, and, and just be present and, and try to focus and enjoy on what you're doing right now, whether it's a practice that you're at, whether it's a game, whether you're you know, eating dinner with your family, whatever it may be. I, I think we as as humans are very, very good at, at you know, being anxious about things that are not in our control and in, yeah. in, in the future. And uh, again, it's still something I think a lot of us struggle with even as, as adults. Um, 
so I, I think if, if I were to give myself some advice, especially when I was growing up and playing, being so serious about the game and, and having these huge goals and aspirations, there were times where I, I think I didn't enjoy it maybe as much as I should have. Not to say that I didn't enjoy it and love it, but at the same time, you put pressure on yourself and things like that. And at the end of the day, if, if I was able to be a little bit more present and, and focus on the here and now, I think that I would have enjoyed it even a little bit more. And, and yeah. even now as a coach, I would give similar advice to parents and coaches as adults too. just try to enjoy it for what it is. Don't be so worried about the things that you can't control. And uh, it's a game at the end of the day, right? Like it's, it's a, it's a game that is meant you play hockey. You don't work hockey, right. <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, so just, uh, yeah, just enjoy the moment, be here and now as hard as that can be. Um, that's, that's the advice I would give my younger self. And that's the advice I would give anybody that's in it right now too. That's awesome. Uh, and just when you talk about that and I was out for a run the other night and something, obviously I listen to music to kind of keep me motivated, but on the last portion of it, I actually just walk and obviously I'm cooling down. So I, I switch from music and two people that I like to listen to are Tony Robbins and Jim Rohn because their advice is immaculate. Uh, what you just said there with people being in the present moment, I can vividly recall when you said that was Tony Robbins advice in the, in the thing that I was listening to the other day. It was uh, we spend so much time and focusing on things that could be or maybe happened and then you're so worried about these things and they never happen and and you put so much time and effort into worrying about these things and at the end of the day you're just stressing yourself over stuff that you have zero control over um so your advice there is is just perfect for <laughs> tying that in together and something that i i mean i would 100 percent say to myself there's so many times that looking back I uh, was too focused on things that I shouldn't have been so like you enjoy playing the game show up to the arena and have fun and and if, if you're good and you've talked about this people are gonna come and find you no matter where you're playing so I uh, just show up and play the game so I, I can't thank you enough for uh, coming on and and sharing your stories and helping with that first segment it's uh been a lot of information that is going to go a long way i hope uh for people that are going to tune in and uh appreciate your time tofer yep absolutely good luck with everything if there's anything that i can do to help certainly let me know and uh looking forward to reading your book when it comes out <laughs> that'd be great well, thanks for your time again and uh for everybody that's tofer scott Bye for now. And that wraps up a two-part segment, two episodes with Topher Scott. It was such a great opportunity to get to talk to him, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Next on the slate, we have Jason Williams, the former NHL hockey player and 2002 Stanley Cup champion. So I look forward to bringing you that one. Today, this is all. Signing off. For Revolution Hockey Series, Perspective Hockey Talk, this is Brad Burton. Bye for now.